But what would motivate somebody to try to work on their English when they've graduated from school? Well, the obvious one is you're trying to impress somebody you'd like to date. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryants, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Hello again, Paul. Hi, Tom. Paul, uh, you've been writing your Common Errors in English Usage site for a long time. Since 1997. Since 1997. And, of course, you have the book that's based on the website and for several years we we published your calendar that was based on the website now we have a podcast that's based on the website you know what we don't talk about enough is the blog the your you write a lot of interesting stuff up on the blog that's related to the website yeah that's of course you started it <laughs> right <laughs> writing uh, some entries and then i would get ideas say or something and say, uh, in the book and on the website, I really pride myself on concision. There are very few long entries in there. There are a few, but not very many. And I often am striving to keep things as short as possible and still be clear and helpful. I sometimes get people corresponding with me saying, oh, you forgot to mention this other unusual use of this word, or the uh, etymology is really interesting, or something else. And I usually have to write back and say, I normally only use those parts of the background or associations with a word or phrase that helps a person to avoid a problem. And if they're just interesting, they've got to be really interesting, uh, preferably funny, for me to throw them in because I want to keep things small. One of the things that's very intimidating about a lot of usage guides is they'll go into excruciating detail. And a person who just needs some quick help uh, will be intimidated by that and say, well, where in this morass of paragraphs am I going to find the simple advice that I need to keep from embarrassing myself? Hmm. That's what Common Errors in English Usage is all about. It doesn't claim to be an original or more authoritative source on anything. It just claims to be easy to use and direct and concise. But sometimes I want to ramble on about things and I have things I want to discuss and free associate for a while and uh, explore ideas that don't necessarily have to do with errors. And so that's what I'll use the blog for. Uh, It's not a disciplined thing where I sit down every Wednesday and, and write a blog. It's sometimes it'll go for months, and then sometimes I'll write two or three in a row. Well, sure, and, and but they're all interesting. All your entries are interesting, and and um, I hope people will look into the blog a little bit. Uh, you know what's in the news that you you wrote a blog piece about is grammar in online dating sites, right? And so uh, I've been married for for many many years. And you've been married for right. many, many years. Is that correct? Right. And uh, so I, I thought that um, uh, it, it, it pe- people, would of course, be fascinated to hear our advice on 
on writing for online dating sites. Yeah, right. But, but there was a there was a Wall Street Journal piece that focused specifically on uh, grammar. Uh, what's really hot on dating sites? Proper grammar. And uh, and the subhead was on dating sites. Spelling, punctuation are judged. Are you kidding? It's mm-hmm. written by Georgia Wells. It was published on October 1st, 2015. Um, and it grabbed me because I've been using this example for a long time. When I used to talk to people about why should I bother with trying to make my English more polished, the three that were pretty universal that I could come up with, uh, well, the first one was not particularly universal. Uh, if you're writing for editing, if you want to get published, and you're going to have an editor, then save yourself grief and learn what the editor thinks correct usage is. Second, most people at one time or another go to school or have some kind of teacher that reads their writing and corrects it. And similarly, you have to know good writing for that. But what would motivate somebody to try to work on their English when they've graduated from school? Well, the obvious one is you're trying to impress somebody you'd like to date or are dating and you're writing. And that happens much more than it used to. I mean, yes, back in the 19th century, people wrote love letters to each other all the time. In modern times, you're more likely to pick up the phone until the age of the Internet, at at which point it's writing online that is the beginning steps of a lot of acquaintances that you might hope would blossom into romance, and specifically on dating sites. I don't frequent or even have ever explored a dating site, but I hear this from women, and I've seen it in print several times as an isolated comment. I'm going to say, if I see a guy who doesn't know the difference between the three spellings of there, I just immediately discard him as, as a possible date. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's powerful. That's leverage, because we're not talking now about some high and mighty uh, critic who is isolated and snobbish. We're talking about a whole large population of young women who have far more people trying to get friendly with them than they can possibly accommodate. And an easy way to sort through them is to say, well, how's this writing? And it turns out that that's pretty common for women to do. Now, the Wall Street Journal piece I thought was interesting because it began not with a woman noting that uh, a potential suitor had used uh, improper, well, they called it grammar, improper grammar, but it was a a man. Right, Uh, right. uh, Jeff Cohen received a message and said, I will see you there, spelled T-H-E-I-R, and right off the bat, he was suspicious. Right, so it's not just limited uh, to women judging men. No, but it's people judging people based on uh, communication that they receive. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say right, my, my, my response immediately, if I, somebody says, I'll see you there, it, it, if it's an isolated incident, it's not to me a matter of, oh, they don't know the difference. It's a matter of, oh, <laughs> careless slip. They pushed the send button before they meant to. They didn't reread it. They, they were in a hurry. There was... Homonyms are a special case, especially for me. I'm very sensitive to homonym errors. And because I am so prone to make them myself, if I'm in in a rushed state, 
<laughs> or just just in too big of a hurry, or I have other things on my mind, I will sometimes slip into, whoops, I just wrote the wrong version of that word. Yeah, I am too. I've certainly uh, typed the wrong spelling of there at various times, and usually mm-hmm. I'll look at it and say, oh, oops, and then mm-hmm. just go back. Yeah, usually I will. Uh, sometimes I've unfortunately received a reply to an email and I looked back at my original writing, at my the original thing that I wrote, and even though the reply did not mention this in, in my original, oops, I had done it, and I didn't catch it before I sent it out. Right, so right. I, I don't instantly uh, bristle at this. I just want to put up that qualifier off the bat. But I will say if it's a pervasive thing, and I were on a dating site, and I were looking for a, a potential match, in general, I would want to see a certain level of command of the language. You know, I forgot <laughs> the other instance of uh, people who will judge your English, and that's bosses. Uh, oh, yes, that's right, yeah. that you want to hire. And very frequently you'll hear bosses are, are submerged with resumes, and very often they'll do the same thing of just weeding out any immediately that have what they consider to be bad English. And that could be something like a comma splice or any sense of preposition or other things that really aren't errors in a, mm-hmm. any kind of grievous sense. Um, mm-hmm. But it's an easy way of making their task simpler. We've got a smaller pool now. I got rid of all those guys. I'm sure there's some that are just as good left mm-hmm. over. Now, that's terrible. When I, I actually had conversations with, when I was working in the English department, I had, had conversations with people who were bosses who took exactly that attitude. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was horrible. And I certainly don't admire that. I, I recommend against it. But it's also a fact. And it's a mm-hmm. fact that needs to be dealt with. So mm-hmm. somebody comes to me and says, um, I got turned down for this job just because I, I used this word wrong. I say, well, I might say, well, I'm very sorry. That was very unfair of him. But <laughs> next mm-hmm. time, have you, well, check your work over twice or three times and have somebody else read it before you submit it. Mm-hmm. And I, although most of us aren't like Cyrano Victor Bergerac, who willing or his friend who had him uh, speak the words of love for him. If you're writing to somebody in hopes of getting to know them better, if you've got a good friend that would look it over and say, well, how does this strike you preferably a friend of the same sex as the person you're addressing? Mm -hmm. Um, You might get some useful advice. I have a hard time imagining somebody doing that actually, but it could be really helpful. Well, and it, if it's first, if it is the first impression that, and the article, the article goes on to say, uh, if you, if your first impression is, boy, this person's sloppy with the language, that's, that's going to filter you out and you could be filtered in and be a, a very tacky and horrible person with Im- impeccable, uh, language use that could get you in the door. Uh, at least get you started on something, and people can find out later what a what a bad mate you are. Right. However, that's not what my blog post was about. No. Uh, what I reacted against was a particular passage. Now, this is uh, typical modern journalism in that uh, we have to hear from quote both sides. Mm-hmm. So we're we're hearing from these young women who say, you know, I just can't tolerate bad grammar. So we have to hear from the other side. And it comes in the form of this quotation. 
Grammar snobbery is one of the last permissible prejudices, says John McWhorter, a linguistics professor at Columbia University. The energy that used to go into open classism and racism now goes into disparaging people's grammar. Mm -hmm. Okay, I thought that was really over the top. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of things that bothered me about it. The first thing was it seemed just kind of arbitrary. It didn't fit in with the rest of the article. He it wasn't clear whether McWhorter was commenting on these young women, um, whether she had interviewed him, whether this just she found it online. There was no mm-hmm. context provided no. for it. Mm-mm. And um, he's gra- grammar snobbery is what he's calling it. Mm-hmm. And, okay, you can call it grammar snobbery if you want, but it could also be just a, a matter of um, sophistication. Like if uh, somebody uses a vocabulary that indicates that they never got past third grade, you could easily feel, well, this might be a very nice person, but I don't think I'd ever marry this person mm-hmm. because I have a PhD and we couldn't have really interesting conversations. I know, I know there are exceptions, this, mm-hmm. but and you don't have to be a snob to make those kinds of distinctions. But then he really goes overboard by comparing it to classism and racism. Now, classism, okay, um, the thing about classism is that it's a pretty rare word outside of academia and leftist political discourse. Most people don't think about it. Americans like to imagine, or we're always told they like to imagine that there is no such thing as class in America, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. nonsense. But it really is different from the British class system. I don't want to go into all that right now. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that people who come from similar backgrounds tend to get along better than people who don't. Now, it's good to be able to become acquainted with and... Um, work with and listen to and appreciate the good qualities of people who are poorer than you, richer than you, more educated, less educated, and so on. But it's not one of those things that is almost universally uh, uh, viewed as necessary and and a a minimum virtue for just being a good person. Um, It's nice if you have a, a wide tolerance for different people's uh, social levels. That's nice. But nobody goes around saying, you're a horrible person because you don't like to have lengthy conversations with people who don't understand half the words that you're using. Mm -hmm. Racism is completely different. And lumping those two things together is already not only a violation of logic, but uh, really insulting. And I think what a lot of people call slippery. He's he's using the very powerful negative connotations of racism to um, um, label the the uh, language prejudice as equally powerful. Now, and and he does it by linking it in a very sneaky way using the energy. So you've got this certain energy, this mysterious quantity in your brain there soul or something which used to go into classism and used to go into racism so you used to stand on the street corner and shout insulting racial epithets at guys that went by and uh, I don't know you're you're, you uh, are more likely to shoot at a person of, of dark color if you've got a gun and so on 
and compare that to saying, oh, you forgot how to spell there. I don't think I'm going to follow up on your suggestion that we have a date. Mm-hmm. Those are just two really different uh, universes that mm-hmm. are involved. Now, if, if you think about it, there are a lot of reasons that a person might not follow up on an email on a dating site. And these are ones that, you know, you, you think of, you've been around women a lot and they, they know how they think. If, if the man in his message only talks about himself and doesn't express any interest, particularly by asking questions about the woman, just assume so it's adequate. She's a woman. She looks pretty. Um, then you just need to know what a great guy I am. She might think this guy is far too self-centered. He may be thinking, well, she already said what she's like, and so it's my turn now to say who I am. So what's going on in his head could be very different from what's going on in her head. But it would be really smart for the guy to say, I see that uh, you're interested in gardening. Do you grow mostly vegetables or flowers? You know, even if you're not interested, something like that would be really smart. Or if the man uh, seems to talk only about sports and you don't like sports, well, that's not discrimination. That's just saying, eesh, if I go out with this guy, he's going to want me to go to games. He's going to be talking about all this stuff that I just really don't like. We won't get along. Or a guy um, shows himself holding his gun and standing in front of a gun rack full of all kinds of other weapons and thinks this is really not. You might think, this guy actually looks scary. Maybe he's really nice. He's a very scrupulous hunter or he collects antique weapons. But I have a horror of that kind of thing. I don't want any guns around me in any way. Yeah, well, you could call that a prejudice, but Mm -hmm. it could also be very rational and understandable. And of course, the obvious one is the man is only interested in sex and has nothing to converse about except that. And if that's not what's on your mind, then uh, that would be a ground rule amount. So it seems to me that the judging people on their language is somewhere between those extremes mm-hmm. where uh, a, a person is, is just not interesting to you because their interests or their way of expressing themselves just gives you the creeps or repels you or puzzles you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and the way at the other extreme is immediately judging somebody as bad and dangerous because of the color of their skin, um, or their, their heritage. Those, those are just don't belong in the, in the same range. And for me, writing is, is one of the lesser offenses in, in terms of judging people. I agree with you. And the, the most critical point is, when it comes to racism, of course, you can you can change your re- your register. You can change uh, how formal or informal you are in your language. You can um, you can learn the the, the so called correct forms or the mo- most standard forms uh, and put those into your dating profile, and just to make sure that you're not turning people off by that. Uh, what you cannot learn is how to change your your race or or your genetic makeup. <laughs> the, those things come those things come with the package. And if you're being um, actually if you are being discriminated against because of your race while you're dating, um, that person isn't worth your time anyway. Um, 
but you just t- have to take that advice to use use standard usage in your dating profile and take it for what it's worth. If you don't want to date people who care about that, then fine go ahead and 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 with the usage that you feel most comfortable with and just move on from there um you you'll probably find somebody eventually uh but just to but i also agree with you that i think john mcwhorter might be the victim of a of soundbite journalism here and i'm not sure i know john mcwhorter slightly through correspondence and uh I'm sure that his, I, I don't want to impugn his, schol- his scholarship in general for this one soundbite. I'm sure he has a more nuanced view of the whole matter, but this is the way it came out and it's, it does offend the sensibilities. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't like that one. Yeah, now good the, point. I, I think we should uh, put a little footnote in here just for somebody picky, maybe listening to this when you said you can't change your race. There is the phenomenon of passing which is available to only a teeny tiny minority of people and oh, sure. therefore not really relevant to this discussion. But mm-hmm. um, just to let people know, yeah, we know about that. We're not ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, th- so you, you wrote a blog post that stated those points uh, pretty uh, uh, pretty nicely and, and laid out the foundation for your objection to that part of the article. And then... Uh, I had to follow up because you directed me to this article in the first place, and I I read it, and uh, I had a problem with another uh, another aspect of the journalism in the article. Um, here's the first paragraph. I'll just read it. It says, "When Jeff Cohen was getting ready to meet his OK Cuban date for drinks in Manhattan." He started to have second thoughts as he reread the glaring grammatical error in her last message. I will see you there. T-H-E-I-R is how it's spelled. Now, uh, my, my gripe in journalism is when people use the word grammar to refer to all kinds of, any kind of usage of language is, so if there's an error in, in usage, there's an error in grammar. That isn't how it works. Uh, grammar is its own part of usage. It has to do with the structure of the language. Um, if your verbs don't agree with your nouns, that's a grammar problem. But if you make a misspelling, like I will see you there, that's a spelling problem. And I just wish that journalists, or, I just wish there was more sensitivity to using the terms to describe errors or non-standard usage. Right. And I would say that uh, the the loose usage of the term grammar to cover all usage um, is so widespread that it's now probably a popular definition of the word, but that doesn't mean we can let it go, because people who are writing on this subject, a professional writer writing for the Wall Street Journal, uh, is in in the language business, and they ought to know what grammar is uh, in the traditional sense and not let the popular usage influence them. I agree with you. you. In popular, in the vernacular, probably it's true that grammar has come to be synonymous with the word usage. Um, the reason I think that's most unfortunate is that if people want to get into studying language and getting into uh you know, various parts of it. If they come across a uh, the field of study that is called grammar, 
they're going to think, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's the people that, you know, that, that, that crush me for using too many exclamation points or something like that. Well, that's a punctuation decision and it's not necessarily, it's not rec- it's not related to grammatical structures. The study of grammar is its own discipline. It's its own area. And to simply use grammar as a blanket term for all usage uh, is to do a disservice to the study of grammar and to po- probably turn off a lot of people who might otherwise be interested in uh, the way language is structured. And in fact, studying grammar doesn't really have a whole lot to do with uh, what we call standard usage or making errors. Um, it is a much more analytic and scientific view of looking at the way things are structured. Well, related is the term grammarian. Mm-hmm. And people talk, well, grammarians do this, grammarians do that, and mm-hmm. I'm a grammarian. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a professional title. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who study language and its structures, including grammar, are linguists. Mm-hmm. And the field is called linguistics. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the term grammarian evolved, and uh, I used to use it, actually, when I first started on this project. Um, my first thought, before there was an internet, was that I would like to be able to have some old cards printed up to leave at restaurants, uh, correcting the listings on their menus um, for the misspellings of various dishes. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I thought, I jokingly said, I'd just call it, um, put a title at the top, you have been corrected by the, gram- the gorilla grammarian. <laughs> But, you know, I, I never did that. And then I realized that, that it's not really a grammarian thing. They're just mm-hmm. using the wrong spelling for mm-hmm. some sandwich. Well, you could go for the alliteration. And then, yes. it, once again, the popular acceptance of the term grammarian is probably that just that. I, You know, within linguistics, there are people who call themselves grammarians, but they're they linguistic that doesn't just means they have a special they specialize in that particular area of linguistics since since linguistics can also study uh various things like uh pronunciation the sound of language oh, etymology you know, etymology all all different areas right and the people that uh the populace is calling grammarians are not at all the same people who mm. would call themselves grammarians no so I bristled at that particular aspect of the uh, of that article was it's why really right down the line uh, using the word grammar when actually I would have used the word usage. Well, so those are t- those are two recent pieces from uh, the Common Errors in English Usage blog. Um, What's the I, best way for people to get into the blog? It has a rather unwieldy URL. Well, why don't they go to the place where this podcast is posted and click on the link under this, uh, uh, under this, where this podcast is posted and that will take them directly to the common errors in English usage blog. Or conversely, they can go to your website, the common errors in the English usage website. And on your site, you have right at the top of your uh, listings of the common errors, you have all the links to all the different related sites, including the blog. Right. Uh, just like 
so much of the internet, don't memorize a URL. Just just click. <laughs> Do a Google search. You'll find it. Okay. Well, thanks, Paul. So long time. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.